Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 26 to 27 and in the previous episode we read chapters 24 to 25. Now in this episode I would like to say that I will not be able to do the Q&A session um, but I will be sure to do an extra uh, I will I will be sure to include this episode's Q&A sessions and last episode's Q&A sessions in the next episode. So do please continue giving me your questions, shoutouts, and I will try my best to get them all. So moving on to the recap, we first saw, we, we now moved on to looking at Hazel and Frank and the rest of the group. And we're starting to also look at Hazel's... Um, character development as she starts to look at herself and think about herself and see that you know there's also a lot of feelings that and a lot of things that hazel is also going through and i think the more and more that we look at this the more and more we start to understand these characters not just from the outside but also from the inside so now we're gonna read chapter 25 26 hazel Hazel and Frank tumbled over each other. Hazel accidentally gave herself the Heimlich maneuver with the pommel of her sword and curled on the deck, moaning and coughing the taste of ca- Catalblep's poison. Through a fog of pain, she heard the ship's figurehead, Festus the bronze dragon creaking in alarm and shooting fire. Dimly, Hazel wondered if they'd hit an iceberg, but in the Adriatic, in the middle of summer? The ship rocked to port with a massive commotion, like telephone poles snapping in half. Gah! Leo yelled somewhere behind her, It's eating the oars! What is? Hazel wondered. She tried to stand, but something large and heavy was pinning her legs. She realized it was Frank, gumbling, grumbling as he tried to extract himself from a pile of loose rope. Everyone else was scrambling. Jason jumped over them, his sword drawn, and raced toward the stern. Piper was already on the quarterdeck. Shell was shooting food from her cornucopia and yelling, Hey, hey, eat this, you stupid turtle! Turtle? Frank helped Hazel to her feet. You okay? Yeah. Hazel lied, clutching her stomach. Go! Frank sprinted up the steps, slinging off his backpack, which instantly transformed into a bow and quiver. By the time he reached the helm, he had already fired one arrow and knocking the second. Leo frantically worked the ship's controls. Oars won't retract! Get away! Get it away! Up in the ringing, Nico's face was slack with shock. Sticks! It's huge! He yelled. Port! Go port! Coach Hedge, was the latch, Coach Hedge was the last one on deck. He compensated for that with enthusiasm. He bounded up the steps, waved his baseball bat, and without hesitation, Goat galloped to the stern, and he leaped over the rail with a gleeful, Ha-ha! Hazel staggered toward the quarterdeck with, to join her friends. The boat shuddered. More oars snapped, and Leo yelled, No, no, no! Dang, slimy shelled son of a mother! Hazel reached the stern and couldn't believe what she saw. When she heard the word turtle, she thought of a cute little thing the size of a jewelry box sitting on a rock in the middle of a fish pond. When she heard huge, her mind tried to adjust. Okay, perhaps it was like the Galapagos tortoise she'd seen in the zoo once with a shell big enough to ride on. She did not envision a creature the size of an island. When she saw the massive dome of craggy black and brown squares, the word turtle simply did not compute. Its shell was more like a landmass. Hills of bone, shiny pearl valleys, kelp and moss forests, rivers of seawater trickling down the grooves of its carapace. On the ship's starboard side, another part of the monster rose from the water like a submarine. Layers of Rome. Was that its head?
Its gold eyes were the size of wading pools, with dark sideways slits for pupils. Its skin glistened like wet army camouflage, brown flecked with green and yellow. Its red, toothless mouth could have swallowed the Athena Parthenos in one bite. Hazel watched as it snapped off half a dozen oars. Stop that! Leo yelled, wailed. Coach Edge clambered around the turtle's shell, whacking it at it uselessly with his baseball bat and yelling, Take that! and that! Jason flew from the stern and landed on the creature's head. He stabbed his golden sword straight between its eyes, but the blade slipped sideways as if the turtle's skin were greased steel. Frank shot arrows at the monster's eyes with no success. The turtle's flimsy inner eyelids blinked with uncanny precision, deflecting each shot. Piper shot cantaloupes into the waters, yelling, Fetch us, stupid turtle! But the turtle seemed fixated on eating the Argo second. How did it get so close? Hazel demanded. Leo threw his hands up in exasperation. Ha! Must be that shell! Guess it's invisible to sonar! It's a freaking stealth turtle! Can the ship fly? Piper asked. With half our oars broken off? Leo punched some buttons and spun his Archimedes sphere. I'll have to try something else. There! Leo yelled from above. Can you get us to those straits? Hazel looked where he was pointing. About half a mile to the east, a long strip of land ran parallel to the coastal cliffs. It was hard to be sure from a distance, but the stench... But the stretch of water between them looked to be only 20 or 30 yards across, possibly wide enough for the Argo II to slip through, but definitely not wide enough for the giant turtle shell. Yeah. Yeah! Leo apparently understood. He turned the Archimedes sphere. Jason, get away from that thing's head. I have an idea. Jason was still hacking away at the turtle's face, but when he heard Leo say, I have an idea, he made the only smart choice. He flew away as fast as possible. Coach, come on! Jason said. No, I got this, Hedge said, but Jason grabbed him around the waist and took off. Unfortunately, the coach struggled so much that J- Jason's sword fell out of his hand and splashed into the sea. Coach, Jason complained. What, Hedge said. I was softening him up. The turtle, head butted, the turtle head butted the hull, almost tossing the whole crew off the port side. Hazel heard a cracking sound like the keel had splintered. Just another minute. Leo said, his hands flying over the console. We might not be here in another minute. Frank fired his last arrow. Piper yelled at the turtle, go away! For a moment, it actually worked. The turtle turned from the ship and dipped its head underwater, but then it came right back and rammed him even harder. Jason and Coach Hedge landed on the deck. You all right? Piper asked. Fine, Jason muttered. Without a weapon, but fine. Fire the shell! Leo cried, spinning his Wii controller. Hazel thought the stern had exploded. Jets of fire blasted out behind them, washing over the turtle's head. The ship shot forward and threw Hazel to the deck again. She hauled herself up and saw that the ship was bounding, bouncing over the waves at incredible speeds, trailing fire like a rocket. The turtle was already 100 yards behind them, its head charred and smoking. The monster bellowed in frustration and started after him, its paddle feet scooping the water with such power that it actually started to gain on them. The entrance to the straits was still a quarter mile ahead. A distraction, Leo muttered. We'll never make it unless we get a distraction. A distraction, Hazel repeated. She concentrated and thought, Arian! She had no idea whether it would work, but instantly Hazel spotted something on the horizon. A flash of light and steam. It streaked across the surface of the Adriatic. In a heartbeat, Arian stood on the quarterdeck. Gods of Olympus, Hazel thought. I love this horse. Arian snorted as if to say, Of course you do. You're not stupid. Hazel climbed on his back. Piper, I could use that charm speak of yours. 
Once upon a time, I liked turtles, Piper muttered, accepting a hand up. Not anymore! Hazel spurred Arian. He leaped over the side of the boat, hitting the water at a full gallop. The turtle was a fast swimmer, but it couldn't match Arian's speed. Hazel and Piper zipped around the monster's head, Hazel slicing with her sword, Piper shouting random commands like, Dive! Turn left! Look behind you! The sword did no damage. Each command only worked for a moment, but they were making the turtle very annoyed. Arian whinnied uh, derisively as the turtle snapped at him, only to get a mouthful of horse vapor. Soon, the monster had completely forgotten the Ark of the Second. Hazel kept stabbing at its head, Piper kept yelling commands and using her cornucopia to bounce coconuts and roasted chickens off the turtle's eyeballs. As soon as the Ark of the Second had passed into the straits, Arian broke off his harassment. They sped after the ship and in a moment later were back on deck. The rocket fire had extinguished, though smoking bronze exhaust vents still jutted from the stern. <clears throat> the Ark of the Second limped forward under sail power, but their plan had paid off. They were safely harbored in the narrow waters with a long, rocky island to starboard and the sheer wide cliffs of the mainland to port. The turtle stopped at the entrance to the straits and glared at them balefully, but it made no attempt to follow. Its shell was obviously much too wide. Hazel dismounted and got a big hug from Frank. Nice work out there, he said. Her face flushed. Thanks. Piper slid down next to her. Leo, since when do we have jet propulsion? Aw, you know. Leo tried to look modest and failed. Just a little something I whipped up in my spare time. Wish I could give you more than a few seconds of burn, but heh, at least it got us here. And roasted the turtle's head, Jason said appreciatively. So what now? Kill it, Coach said. You even have to ask? We got enough distance, we got ballistic. Lock and load, demigods. Jason frowned. Coach, first of all, you made me lose my sword. Hey, I didn't ask for an evac. Second, I don't think the ballista will do any good. That shell is like Neiman Lion's skin. Its head isn't any softer. So we chuck one right down his throat, Coach said. Like you guys did with that shrimp monster thing in the Atlantic. Light it up from the inside. Frank scratched his head. Might work, but then you've got a five million kilo turtle carcass blocking the entrance to the straits. If we can't fly with the oars broken, how do we get the ship out? You wait and fix the oars, Coach said. Or just sail the other direction, you bug galoot. Frank looked confused. What's a galoot? Guys, Nico called from the mast. About sailing the other direction, I don't think that's going to work. He pointed past the prow. A quarter mile ahead of them, the long, rocky strip of land curved in and met the cliffs. The channel ended in a narrow V. We're not in a strait, Jason said. We're in a dead end. Hazel got a cold feeling in her fingers and toes. On the port rail, Gail the weasel sat up on her haunches, staring at Hazel expectantly. This is a trap, Hazel said. The others looked at her. Nah, it's fine, Leah said. Worse that happens, we make repairs. Might dig overnight, but I can get the ship flying again. At the mouth of the inlet, the turtle roared. He didn't appear interested in leaving. Well, Piper shrugged. At least the turtle can't get us. We're safe here. That was something no demigod should ever say. The words had barely left Piper's mouth when an arrow sank into the mainmast, six inches from her face. The crew scattered for cover, except for Piper, which stood frozen in place, gaping at the arrow that almost pierced her nose the hard way. Piper, duck! Jason whispered harshly, but no other missiles rained down. We're not in a straight. Frank studied the angle of the bolt in the mast and pointed toward the uh, top of the cliffs. Up there, he said, single shooter. See him? The sun was in her eyes, but Hazel spotted a tiny figure standing at the top of the ledge. His bronze armor glinted. Who the heck is he? Leo demanded. Why is he firing at us? Guys, 
Piper's voice was thin and watery. There's a note. Hazel hadn't seen it before, but a parchment scroll was tied to the arrow shaft. She wasn't sure why, but that made her angry. She stormed over and untied it. Uh, Hazel? Leo said. You sure that's safe? She read the note out loud. First line. Stand and deliver. What does that mean? Coach Hedge complained. We are standing. Well, crouching anyway. And if that guy's expecting a pizza delivery, forget it. There's more, Hazel said. This is a robbery. Send two of your party to the top of the cliff with all your valuables. No more than two? Leave the magic horse. No flying, no tricks. Just climb. Climb what? Piper asked. Nico pointed. There. A narrow set of steps were carved into the cliff, leading to the top. The turtle, the dead-end channel, the cliff. Hazel got the feeling that this was not the first time the letter writer had ambushed, ambushed a ship here. She cleared her throat and kept reading aloud. I do mean all your valuables. Otherwise, my turtle and I will destroy you. You have five minutes. Use the catapults, cried the coach. P.S. Hazel read, don't even think about using your catapults. Curse it, said the coach. This guy is good. Is the note signed? Nico asked. Hazel shook her head. She'd heard a story back at Camp Jupiter. Something about a robber who worked with a giant turtle. But as usual, as soon as she needed the information, it sat annoyingly in the back of her memory. Just out of reach. The weasel Gale watched her, wait, waiting to see what she would do. The test hadn't happened yet, Hazel thought. Distracting the turtle hadn't been enough. Hazel hadn't proved anything about how she could manipulate the mist. Mostly because she couldn't manipulate the mist. Leo studied the clifftop and muttered under his breath. It's not a good trajectory. Even if I could arm the catapult before that guy pincushioned us with arrows, I don't think I could make the shot. That's hundreds of feet of almost straight up. Yeah, Frank grumbled. My bow is useless too. He's got a huge advantage being above us like that. I couldn't reach him. And, um, Piper nudged the arrow that was stuck in the mast. I have a feeling he's a good shot. I don't think he meant to hit me, but if he did... She need to elaborate. Whoever that robber was, he would hit a target from hundreds of feet away. He could shoot them all before they could react. I'll go, Hazel said. She hated the idea, but she was sure Hecate had set this up as some sort of twisted challenge. This was Hazel's test. Her turn to save the ship. As if she needed confirmation. Gail scampered along the railing and jumped on her shoulder, ready to hitch a ride. The other stared at her. Frank gripped his bow. Hazel, no, listen. She said, this robber wants valuables. I can go up there, summon gold, jewels, whatever he wants. Leo raised an eyebrow. If we pay him off, you think he'll actually let us go? We don't have much choice, Nico said. Between that guy and the turtle? Jason raised his hand. The others fell silent. I'll go too, he said. The letter says two people. I'll take Hazel up there and watch her back. Besides, I don't like the look of those steps. If Hazel falls, well, I can use the winds to keep us both from coming down the hard way. And Winnie didn't protest, as if to say, You're going without me? You're kidding, right? I have to, Arian, Hazel said. Jason, yes, I think you're right. It's the best plan. I only wish I had my sword. Jason glared at the coach. It's back there at the bottom of the sea, and we don't have Percy to retrieve it. The name Percy passed over them like a cloud. The mood on deck got even darker. Hazel stretched out her arm. She didn't even think about it. She just concentrated on the water and called for Imperial Gold. <clears throat> A stupid idea. The sword, which must was was much too far away, probably hundreds of feet underwater. But she felt a quick tug in her fingers, like a bite on a fishing line, and Jason's blade flew out of the water and into her hand. Here, she said, handing it over. Jason's eyes widened. How? That was like half a mile. I've been practicing, she said, though it wasn't true. She hoped she hadn't accidentally cursed Jason's sword by summoning it, the way she cursed jewels and precious metals. 
somehow though she thought weapons were different after all she'd raised a bunch of imperial gold equipment from glacier bay and distributed to the fifth cohort that worked out okay she decided not to worry about it she felt so angry at hecate and so tired of being manipulated by the gods that she wasn't going to let any trifling problems stand in her way now if there are no other objections we have a robber to meet and that's the end of chapter 26 um, this was definitely a bit longer of a chapter, but I'm not complaining. I think that this was definitely a very fascinating way uh, to introduce yet another unfortunate obstacle in their path. But I have no doubt that they're going to pass this with what and be able to outsmart the robber um, in the best way that they can without losing any of their valuables. So it's going to be interesting to see how exactly the situation goes does the plan work will the plan go as always as planned or will they have to come up with some backup plan we'll have to see as we continue to read after the break chapter 27 hazel so don't go anywhere maybe grab a snack maybe grab some water and get ready to read to listen to this next chapter chapter 27 And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 27, Hazel. Hazel liked the great outdoors, but climbing a 200-foot cliff on a stairway without rails, with a bad-tempered weasel on her shoulder, not so much. Especially when she could have ridden Arian to the top of the, in a matter of seconds. Jason walked behind her so he could catch her if she fell. Hazel appreciated that, but it didn't make the sheer drop any less scary. She glanced at her right, which was a mis- mistake. Her foot almost slipped, sending a spray of gr- gravel over the edge. Gail squeaked in alarm. You all right? Jason asked. Yes. Hazel's heart jackhammered at her ribs. Fine. She had no room to turn and look at him. She just had to trust he wouldn't let her plummet to her death. Since he could fly, he was the only logical backup. Still, she wished it was Frank at her back, or Nico, or Piper, or Leo, or even... Well, okay, maybe not Coach Hedge. But still, Hazel couldn't get a read on Jason Grace. Ever since she'd arrived at Camp Jupiter, she'd heard stories about him. The Cambers spoke with reverence about the son of Jupiter, who'd risen from the lowly ranks of the fifth cohort to become Praetor, led them to victory in the Battle of Mount Tam, then disappeared. Even now, after all the events of the past couple of weeks, Jason seemed more like a legend than a person. She had a hard time warming up to him, with those icy blue eyes and that careful reserve, like he was calculating every word before he said it. Also, she couldn't forget how he'd been ready to write off her brother, Nico, when they learned he was a captive in Rome. Jason had thought Nico was bait for a trap. He'd been right. Maybe now that Nico was safe, Hazel could see why Jason's caution was a good idea. Still, she didn't quite know what to think of the guy. What if they got themselves in trouble at the top of the cliff and Jason decided that saving Hazel wasn't in the best interest of the quest? She glanced up. She couldn't see the thief from here, but she sensed he was waiting. Hazel was confident she could produce enough gems and gold to impress even the greediest robber. She wondered if the treasures she summoned would still bring bad luck. She'd never been sure whether that curse had been broken when she had died the first time. This seemed like a good opportunity to find out. Anybody who robbed innocent demigods with a giant turtle deserved a few nasty curses. Gail the weasel jumped off her shoulder and scampered ahead. She glanced back and barked eagerly. Going as fast as I can, Hazel muttered. She couldn't shake the feeling that the weasel was anxious to watch her fail. This, uh, controlling the mist, Jason said. Have you had any luck? No, Hazel admitted. She didn't like to think about her failures. The seagull she couldn't turn into a dragon. Coach Hedge's baseball bat stubbornly refusingly to turn into a hot dog. She just couldn't make herself believe any of it was possible. You'll get it, Jason said. His tone surprised her. It wasn't a throwaway comment just to be nice. 
He sounded truly convinced. She kept climbing, but she imagined him watching her with those piercing blue eyes, his jaw set with confidence. How can you be so sure? She asked. Just am. I've got a good instinct for what people can do. Demigods, anyway. Hecate wouldn't have picked you if she didn't believe you had power. Maybe that should have made Hazel feel better. It didn't. She had a good instinct for people, too. She understood what motivated most of her friends, even her brother Nico, who wasn't easy to read. But Jason? She didn't have a clue. Everybody said he was a natural leader. She believed it. Here he was making her feel like a valued member of the team, telling her she was capable of anything. But what was Jason capable of? She couldn't talk to anyone about her doubts. Frank was in awe of the guy. Piper, of course, was head over heels. Leo was his best friend. Him and Nico seemed to follow his lead without question. But Hazel couldn't forget that Jason had been Hera's first move in the war against the Giants. The Queen of Olympus had dropped Kate Jason into Camp Half-Blood, which had started this entire chain of events to stop Gaia. Why Jason first? Something told Hazel he was the linchpin. Jason would be the final play, too. To storm or fire, the world must fall. That's what the prophecy had said. As much as Hazel feared fire, she feared storms more. Jason Grace could cause some pretty huge storms. She glanced up and saw the rim of the cliff only a few yards above her. She reached the top, breathless and sweaty. A long, sloping valley marched inland, dotted with scraggly olive trees and limestone boulders. There were no signs of civilization. Hazel's legs trembled from the climb. Gale seemed anxious to explore. The weasel barked and farted and scampered into the nearest bushes. Far below, the Argo II looked like a toy boat in the channel. Hazel didn't understand how anyone could shoot an arrow accurately from this high up, accounting for the wind and the glare of the sun off the water. At the mouth of the inlet, the massive shape of the turtle shell glinted like a burnished coin. Jason joined her at the top, looking no worse for the climb. He started to say, where? Here, said a voice. Hazel flinched. Only ten feet away, a man had appeared. A bow and quiver over his shoulder and two old-fashioned flintlock dueling pistols in his hand. He wore high leather boots, leather breeches, and a pirate-style shirt. His curly black hair looked like a little kid's do, and his sparkly green eyes were friendly enough, but a red bandana covered the lower half of his face. Welcome, the bandit cried, pointing his guns at them. Your money or your life? Hazel was certain that he hadn't been there a second ago. He'd simply materialize as if he'd step out from behind an invisible curtain. Who are you? Hazel asked. The bandit laughed. Skyron, of course. Chiron? Jason asked. Like the centaur? The bandit rolled his eyes. Skyron, my friend. Son of Poseidon, thief extraordinaire, all-around awesome guy. But that's not important. I'm not seeing any valuables, he cried as if this were excellent news. I guess that means you want to die? Wait, Hazel said. We've got valuables. But if we give them up, how can we be so sure you'll let us go? Oh, they always ask that, Skyron said. Skyron said. I promise you on the river sticks that as soon as you surrender what I want, I will not shoot you. I will send you right back down that cliff. Hazel gave Jason a wary look. River sticks or no, the way Skyron phrased his promise didn't reassure her. What if we fought you? Jason asked. You can't attack us and hold our ship hostage at the same bang, bang. It happened so fast, Hazel's brain needed a moment to catch up. Smoke curled from the side of Jason's head, just above his left ear. A groove cut through his hair like a racing stripe. One of Skyron's flintlocks was still pointed at his face. The other flintlock was pointed down over the side of the cliff. As a Skyron's second shot had been fired at the Argo II. 
Hazel choked from delay shot. What did you do? Oh, don't worry. Skyrim laughed. If you didn't see that, if you could see that far, which you can't, you'd see a hole in the deck between the shoes of the big young man, the one with the bow. Frank! Skyrim shrugged. If you say so, that was just a demonstration. I'm afraid it could have been much more serious. He spun his flintlocks, the hammers reset, and Hazel had a feeling the guns had just magically reloaded. Skyrim waggled his eyebrows at Jason. So, to answer your question, yes, I can attack you and hold your ship hostage at the same time. Celestial bronze ammunition, quite deadly to demigods. You two would die first, bang, bang. Then I could take my time picking off your friends off that ship. Target practice is so much fun with live targets running around screaming. Jason touched the new furrow that the bullet had plowed through his hair. For once, he didn't look very confident. Hazel's ankles wobbled. Frank was the best shot she knew with a bow, but this bandit Skyron was inhumanely good. You're son of Poseidon? She managed. I would have thought Apollo, the way you shoot? The smile lines deepened around his eyes. Why, thank you. It's just from practice, though. The giant turtle? That's due to my parentage. You can't go around taming giant turtles without being a son of Poseidon. I could overwhelm your ship with a tidal wave, of course, but it's terribly difficult work. Not nearly as fun as ambushing and shooting people. Hazel tried to collect her thoughts, stall for time, but it was difficult while staring down the smoking barrels of those flintlocks. Uh, what's the bandana for? So no one recognizes me, Skyron said. But you introduced yourself, Jason said. You're Skyron. The bandit's eyes widened. How did you- Oh, yes, I suppose I did. He lowered one flintlock and scratched the head of side of his head with the other. Terrible sloppy of me, sorry. I'm afraid I'm a little rusty. Back from the dead and all that. Let me try again. He leveled his pistols. Stand and deliver. I'm an anonymous bandit and you do not need to know my name. An anonymous bandit. Something clicked in Hazel's memories. Theseus. He killed you once. Skyron's shoulders slumped. Now why did you have to mention him? We were getting along so well. Jason frowned. Hazel, you know this guy's story? She nodded, though the details were murky. Theseus met him on the road to Athens. Skyron would kill his victims by, um... Something about the turtle. Hazel couldn't remember. Theseus was such a cheater! Skyron complained. I don't want to talk about him. I'm back from the dead now. Gaia promised me I could stay on the coastline and rob all the demigods I wanted. And that's what I'm going to do. Now, where were we? You're about to let us go. Hazel ventured. Hmm, Skyron said. No, I'm pretty sure that wasn't it. All right, money or your life. Where are your valuables? No valuables? Then I'll have to- Wait, Hazel said. I have our valuables. At least I can get them. Skyron pointed a flintlock at Jason's head. Well then, my dear, opt to it, or my next shot will cut off more than your friend's hair. Hazel hardly needed to concentrate. She was so anxious the ground rumbled beneath her and immediately yielded a bumper crop. A bumper crop. Precious metals popping to the surface as though the dirt was anxious to expel them. She found herself surrounded by a knee-high mound of treasure. Roman denarii, silver drachmas, ancient gold jewelry, glittering diamonds and topaz and rubies. Enough to fill several lawn bags. Skyrin laughed with delight. <laughs> How in the world did you do that? Hazel didn't answer. She thought about all the coins that appeared at the crossroads with Hecate. Here were even more. Centuries worth of hidden wealth every empire had, that had ever claimed this land. Greek, Roman, Byzantine, and so many others. Those empires were gone, leaving only a bare, barren coastline for Skyrim the bandit. The thought made her feel small and powerless. Just take the treasure, she said. Let us go. 
Skarn chuckled. <laughs> oh, but I did say all your valuables. I understand you're holding something very special on that ship. A certain ivory and gold statue about, say, 40 feet tall? The sweat started to dry on Hazel's neck, sending a shiver down her back. Jason stepped forward despite the gun pointed at his face. His eyes were as hard as sapphires. The statue is innegotiable. You're right, it's not, Skyron agreed. I must have it. Gaia told you about it. I guess she ordered you to take it. Skyron shrugged. Maybe, but she told me I could keep it for myself. Hard to pass up that offer. I don't intend to die again, my friends. I intend to live a long life as a very wealthy man. The statue won't do you any good, Hazel said. Not if Gaia destroys the world. The muzzles of Skyron's pistols wavered. Pardon? Gaia is using you. Hazel said. If you take that statue, we won't be able to defeat her. She's planning on wiping all mortals and demigods off the face of Earth, letting her giants and monsters take over. So where will you spend your gold, Skyron? Assuming Gaia even lets you live. Hazel let that sink in. She figured Skyron would have no trouble believing in double crosses being abandoned at all. He was silent for a count of ten. Finally, his smile lines returned. All right, he said. I'm not unreasonable. Keep the statue. Jason blinked. We can go? Just one more thing. I always demand a show of respect. Before I let my victims leave, I insist that they wash my feet. Hazel wasn't sure she'd heard him right. Then Skyron kicked off his leather boots one after the other. His bare feet were the most disgusting things Hazel had ever seen. And she had seen some very disgusting things. They were puffy, wrinkled, and white as dough, as if they'd been soaking in formula, formula dehyde for a few centuries. Tufts of brown hair sprouted from each misshapen toe. His jagged toenails were green and yellow like a tor tortoise's shell. Then the smell hit her. Hazel didn't know if her father's underworld palace had a cafeteria for zombies, but if it did, that cafeteria would smell like Skyron's feet. So, Skyron wriggled his disgusting toes. Who wants the left and who wants the right? Jason's face turned almost as white as those feet. You've got to be kidding. Not at all, Skyron said. Wash my feet and we're done. I'll send you back to the cliff. I promise on the river sticks. He made that promise so easily, alarm bells rang in Hazel's mind. Feet, send you back down the cliff, towards shell. The story came back to her, all the missing pieces fitting into place. She remembered how Skyron killed his victims. Can we have a moment? Hazel asked a bandit. Skyron's eyes narrowed. What for? Well, it's a big decision, she said. Left foot, right foot, we need to discuss. She could tell he was smiling under the mask. Of course, he said. I'm so generous, you can have two minutes. Hazel climbed out of her pile of treasure. She led Jason as far away as she dared, about 50 feet down the cliff, which she'd hope was out of earshot. Skyron kicks his victims off the cliff, she whispered. Jason scowled. What? When you kneel down to wash his feet, Hazel said, that's how he kills you. When you're off balance, woozy from the smell of his feet, he'll kick you off the edge. You'll fall right into the mouth of his giant turtle. Jason took a moment to digest that, so to speak. He glanced over the cliff where the turtle's massive shell glinted just under the water. So we have to fight, Jason said. Skyron's too fast, Hazel said. He'll kill us both. Then I'll be ready to fly. When he kicks me over, I'll flo float halfway down the cliff. Then when he kicks you, I'll catch you. Hazel shook her head. If he kicks you hard and fast enough, you'll be two days to fly. And even if you can, Skyron's got the eyes of a marksman. He'll watch you fly. If you hover, he'll just shoot you out of the air. Then, Jason clenched his sword hilt. I hope you have another idea. A few feet away, Gail the weasel appeared from the bushes. She gnashed her teeth and peered at Hazel as if to say, 
Well, do you? Hazel calmed her nerves, trying to avoid pulling more gold from the ground. She remembered the dream her she had of her father, Pluto's voice. The dead see what they believe they will see. So do the living. That is the secret. She understood, she understood what she had to do. She hated the idea worse than she hated that farting weasel. Worse than she hated Skyrim's feet. Unfortunately, yes, Hazel said. We have to let Skyrim win. What? He said, Jason demanded. Hazel told him to play. And that's the end of chapter 27. This was definitely a fascinating chapter. Just seeing how the just seeing how um how Hazel's Hazel and Jason are gonna deal with this bandit and how after claiming so many victims, it's interesting to see how exactly Hazel and Jason are gonna do it any different. And it's surprising to see that he just that Skyron just immediately just gave up that um just immediately gave up the statue just like that and i think i before we end this this episode i would also like to point out how hazel was thinking about the prophecy and i it mentioned storm or fire now that's really interesting because this means it could also involve leo leo could also be a very important part of this entire prophecy because Jason can create storms, and Leo can create fire. So maybe it's something to do with the both of them, or maybe it's something to do with one of them. And I think that that concern is definitely something that we must, that that is something to recognize, because I think that it's going to be very, very important in the future of the story and the future of these seven demigods. So, and I think that the observation made by Hazel, of which... This whole thing, this whole mission with Gaia had started with Jason, and now it might end with Jason. So, this is just, this is definitely going to be a very interesting rest of the journey that we're going to continue. I hope you guys enjoyed this just as much as I did. Uh, once again, a reminder that if you guys would like to, you can check out the Patreon that is linked to in my description of the podcast. I would really appreciate it. It's totally optional, but it would mean a lot to me. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and next week we will continue on with what Hazel's plan is to defeat Skyron. So until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.